Hey everyone, welcome to the Sunny Go One Piece podcast. On this episode, we're going to be talking about anime episodes 25 through 27, which are manga chapter 53 to chapter 62. Well, most of 62, minus like the last three pages. We get to dive into Sanji and Zeph's backstory. Filling in many of the things that we have been hinted at up till now, and we get to see Sanji fully in action in combat for the first time with his awesome kicks. And I can't wait to get into it, so let's get going here. So, first off, synopsis we pick up where Krieg's men are attacking the Baratier, and we see this back and forth with Patty and Carne fending off Krieg's henchmen, but then Krieg responds by sending his enforcer, Pearl, to take out Patty and Carne. Sanji then steps in to take on Pearl while Luffy tries to get close enough to take on Krieg, but is unsuccessful due to all of Krieg's weapons and traps and whatnot. Gin then seizes this opportunity to take Zeph hostage at gunpoint, making it impossible for Sanji to defend himself while Pearl just goes ham on him. During this moment, Sanji explains why he won't fight back but won't give up the restaurant, and we get to see Sanji and Zeph's backstory in a flashback of how they met and survived being marooned on a rock island. Realizing that Sanji is never going to give up, Ging decides to take it upon himself to face Sanji, and as he feels, he owes the man who saved his life at least that much. So, the differences. There are quite a few differences here in this set of episodes. So, the first one is that when Ging, he actually breaks Zeph's peg leg off when he takes him hostage. Seems like an odd change, but I mean, it ultimately doesn't really do too much to the story. And in the manga, you see Zeph later on with crutches to keep himself whole, uh, standing up. And I guess maybe the animators at Toei were like, we don't want to draw crutches in every scene, so let's just keep his peg leg. <laughs> I don't know. Another interesting fact is that Zeph, even as a pirate in the flashback, we see him steal valuables and treasure from all the people and cause destruction to property, but he won't tolerate stealing food. And this little detail is left out of the anime. I'm guessing for pacing and time issues again, but it's kind of a little nice detail of Zeph really valuing food and not leaving people go, you know, letting them go hungry later on. It's kind of a weird moral code for a pirate, but it is what it is. Now, the big change here is obviously Zeph's leg and how he lost it. So in the manga, instead of cutting it off to get free of the debris in the water while trying to save Sanji from drowning, he actually cuts it off after they get marooned on the island. And he does this after giving Sanji the last of the food. And in order for him to survive, he takes a sharp rock and just hammers his his leg off and he does this so that he can survive and eat his own leg he eats his own damn leg and that is how Zeph survives which is incredible and I totally get why they changed this in the anime because it's well it's pretty I don't want to say disturbing but it's pretty gruesome um but in the anime it really does diminish the sacrifice Zeph makes for Sanji as well as it making more sense on how Zeph survived for so long with no food rather than, or surviving with little food rather than no food at all. Because in the anime, he just doesn't eat anything for like 70 plus days. But in the manga, we obviously know that he eats his own leg, but that's insane. 
Anyways, there's this whole section that's completely altered or changed in the manga or in the anime that's in the manga just after Luffy makes his comment about the fact that they're only strong because they have the most numbers. And I'm talking about Krieg's pirate crew here. Where Luffy and Krieg go into a debate as to who has the most potential to become the Pirate King. Here we also get a bit more character building for Krieg. As he and Luffy are talking about their philosophies on combat and being pirates. Krieg lays it out that there's no place for morality or feelings on the battlefield. And it's only strength and force that matter. And that he'll do anything no matter how underhanded to win. And winning is the only thing that matters. They tease the poison gas with Krieg initially tricking everyone, including Luffy with a shuriken bomb. I can see why they cut this exchange. As much of this character development is done throughout the rest of the arc. But I think it leaves out one important thing. And that's that it establishes that Luffy's determination and drive is what's actually important. And that immense matter-of-fact confidence that Luffy has even in the face of Don Krieg's weapons and tricks and ruthlessness is what's ultimately the difference between the two of them. This scene also highlights just how fragile and weak Don Krieg is actually because another thing that comes out of this cut uh, exchange is that he specifically mentions he doesn't need to use his prized poison gas to defeat two pieces of trash quote-unquote but in the end he ends up needing to use it because he's a coward so while I get that some of this is a little redundant with the th- what they do keep in the anime, I think it was intentional on Oda's part to hammer home what kind of a man Don Krieg really is and that he's just a despicable and weak coward. And we don't quite get that emphasis in the anime. Another odd change here is when Luffy attacks Krieg during Sanji and Gin's fight, they change the way Krieg repels Luffy. In the anime, he throws an explosive in the water and then fires one bullet at him. But in the manga, Krieg actually uses those striped peg arrows and Luffy actually gets hit by one of them in the calf or no, in the hamstring as he's running away. The reason this is odd because they show him actually using this attack again in that very same episodes and again in another episode And later on, you see Luffy actually get hit by three of those shots in the very next episode. This wouldn't be such a big deal, but I always like the little bit of symbolism in the manga where he slams his straw hat down on the deck, and he also takes that peg he's wounded with and slams it right next to the straw hat on right into the deck. And I always thought this was representing that quote-unquote spear of faith that Zeph is referring to in the future episodes, and so... Not only is the straw hat there, which represents his dream, but then he has this peg that he just slams next to the the hat to represent his sort of de- like determination and spirit and faith that he has in himself. And I always kind of miss that because clearly Oda wanted to emphasize that because it gets its own little tiny panel of the hat and the peg right next to each other. So I thought that was kind of a little bit of a missed subtle symbolism there. Alright, let's get into the episodes themselves. So, first off, right off the bat, when Sanji takes care of the henchmen, and just his pissed look at the henchmen just calling them just cooks is so great. I love seeing Sanji get that really, like, pissed off look. Like, he's just terrifying in when he gets that, like, sort of those shadows on his face and that like wide-eyed look he has. He rarely does it, but when he gets pissed, he gets pissed. And so last week's episode was a bit on the longer side as I pretty much did a blow-by-blow recap 
because I love those episodes so much. But this week, we'll go back to a more general look at these three episodes so that they don't run such a long time. We see the chefs defending the Baratier from the Krieg pirates, from led by Patty and Carnet. But Krieg matches Patty and Carnet with his own enforcer with Pearl. Pearl is such a weird character, in a funny way, but more so because his interactions with Luffy and and how Luffy just unintentionally keeps damaging him, even though he's supposed to be this impenetrable defensive beast. It always gives me a chuckle when Luffy jumps in the fire to save Sanji from Krieg's giant mace, and Sanji's shocked reaction at that badass thing that Luffy just did by blowing it away with Gomu Gomu no Bazooka. And then <laughs> Luffy's just in the background screaming, acha, 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 but his butt's on fire. It's such a funny scene, and it's always a great source of comedy, just the sheer badassery of Luffy juxtaposed by his absurdity. (laughs) Of course, the highlight of this episode is that we finally get to see Sanji in action and a good look at his combat style, and it is awesome. He has some of the coolest looking fights with his kicks, and I love that there's an actual character-driven and narrative reason for it too. Like, he's a cook. And he needs his hands to cook, so it makes sense he'd fight in a way that protects those at all costs. And sure, it's cool to see someone fight with only kicks, and especially the way Sanji is drawn doing those moves. But I think it goes a long way in tying it to his character and making it feel special and unique. And in in some sense, more real that there's an actual concrete reason why he fights the way he does. Alrighty, here's the big one. Episode 26. This is where I feel like Oda starts to grow as a storyteller by incorporating Sanji's backstory into the plot of this arc a bit more. We see that Gin takes Zeph hostage while Pearl beats up on Sanji as he's unable to do anything. Sanji reveals why he's so adamant about saving the restaurant despite seemingly hating Zeph. And we launch into the flashback for Sanji. Like I said earlier, Oda is getting better at these. First off, the backstory is much more fleshed out and it actually connects with a lot of the story, but not quite to its fullest extent as it doesn't really tie in with the main conflict of the arc against Krieg, but Oda will eventually get there and in the very next arc actually. It is nice to see the backstories aren't just sort of tacked on or inserted like the last three we've seen thus far for Luffy, Zoro, and Usopp. We will see him get way better at this with the next few flashbacks he does. So definitely look forward to those. But back to Sanji. We finally get an answer to all these subtle hints up till now about why Sanji and Zeph, they feed anyone that that comes across them, how they came to be and why their relationship seems so flip-floppy, the starvation they experienced, their dreams and what the Baratier means to each of them. We see that Sanji hated Zeph for attacking the ship he works on but then is saved from drowning by Zeph. Here we also find out Sanji's dream finally, which is a huge staple of each straw hat, as you know by now. And it's to find somewhere called the All Blue, a body of water said to contain all the fish from around the world in the four oceans, the East, West, North, and South Blue. And the reason Zeph saves this kid he doesn't even know or even care about is because they both share that same ridiculous dream. A dream that even Zeph's own crew seems to not believe and even openly mocks. They both get washed up on an island, well more like a rock, I guess, where they have to survive with a limited supply of food. We see Sanji really regretting his decision to throw away leftover food while working on that ship. And that scene where he accidentally drops the moldy bread, for some reason always really hurts me. It's just like, oh my gosh. 
that last piece of bread. You like you really feel for Sanji when he throws that bread or accidentally drops it, and you just really feel how desperate that is. And when he loses it, it's like, oh no. Then it's then shown they've been stuck there for at least seventy or more days, which is insane. And that shot of him on like the seventy eighth day, all shriveled up and emaciated, is pretty horrifying, actually. I mean, it looks like a skeleton. Sanji's already pretty thin as it is. And then comes the big moment, and I don't know. This next moment really does lose a lot of impact in the anime, like I mentioned in the differences, because we already know exactly what happened to Zeph's leg, as we saw. He willingly cut it off in the water to free himself from the wreckage. But, you know, it plays out very differently in the manga. I know this is an anime rewatch, but the manga version is just so insane. I need to talk about it because I was floored, especially when I read this for the first time as a 13-year-old kid. It's just shocking to see that he resorted to cannibalism of his own leg to save this kid who he doesn't even really like. It really puts into perspective and elevates why Sanji feels so much guilt and gratitude and debt towards Zeph, as well as the Baratier. The moment as it's portrayed in the anime is fine, and it does its job pretty well, but it really lacks that sort of emotional gut punch the manga version has. It's only shocking to Sanji, but not really us, the audience. But this flashback really hammers home all the motivation behind Sanji and Zeph's actions thus far. The willingness to feed anyone, no matter what, if they're hungry, what the value of food is to them, what the restaurant means to them, the debt and guilt Sanji feels towards Zeph. It's all here with this emotional flashback. I really like this flashback. It goes a long way in getting me invested in our characters, especially Sanji. The character backstory flashbacks, I feel like, are the heart of the series. It's what gives most of the iconic moments their emotional weight. Without them, as a viewer, you're just not nearly as invested. In this case, I'm just insanely connected to Sanji at this point. And also, I really want to see the restaurant saved. More importantly, though, it strengthens our understanding and investment in the Sanji and Zeph relationship, which is super important for what's to come in the near future. And the far future, actually. And then we get to Luffy's reaction to Sanji wanting to throw his own life away. And this is always a great moment. Oda always makes use of Luffy getting serious really well because it's used so infrequently so when you actually see luffy get angry it really takes you by surprise and makes you understand more about luffy and also how important that particular moment is or what it means to luffy i love the perspective here about the fact that dying for someone that saved you is not a way to pay them back they didn't save you just for you to throw your life away that's not why they risked everything to save you they did it because they wanted you to have a better life of course luffy knows this all too well with shanks the subtleties of this exchange isn't conveyed quite as well in the anime unfortunately because in the manga you really do see luffy looking much more intense and angry as well as sanji having this surprise look and the revelation at this way of thinking it's almost like this never crossed Sanji's mind and you really do see that in his shocked face in the manga but for some reason you don't quite get that impression in the anime and then also because of this Luffy with his simple-minded thinking decides to gomu gomu no axe the platform with with his really simple and stupid reasoning and the the restaurant is the reason for all the fighting so he's going to destroy that this moment it's just funny because after Ging decides to let Zeph go and go after Pearl, Luffy is like, see, it all worked out. My plan to lure him out. And I love Sanji's reaction is like, liar, you were actually going to destroy the ship. 
This makes it even funnier when it's set during this intense moment with Ging and Krieg, just kind of having this serious moment of Krieg thinking that Ging's maybe betraying him. And I think that's like the comedic strategy of this entire arc is just having Luffy sort of juxtapose his ridiculous comedy to a lot of these like more serious moments in the forefront. And it's it works. It never fails to get a chuckle out of me. Another really funny comedic moment is Luffy's astute observation that despite all their boasting about ruling the East Blue, that they're really just the crew with the most numbers and that's why they're the strongest. <laughs> and just the way he says it, it's always so funny and how Sanji's like, oh, yep, that must have been right on the head. And then kind of getting back to the more serious moments with Gin wishing to fight Sanji one-on-one as he feels he owes the man that saved his life at least that. And we get Sanji's first major one verse one fight. And this fight is brutal. Probably one of the most brutal ones up till now. Like, I always cringe at that cracking noise when Sanji's ribs are breaking. Oh, it gives me shivers. However, as the fight continues and Ging gets the upper hand, he can't finish Sanji off because just the kindness that Sanji showed him earlier is something that he's never experienced up until now. And while the fighting was fun to watch, it's moments like these that are far more interesting and investing to me. And it's all made possible because of the great setup made earlier in the episodes prior to this. And I love seeing that growth in Ging, like how that Sanji's kindness actually did change him for the better. It's really incredible to see, actually. I don't know why, but this is one of the reasons why I like Ging so much, because... He just seems to actually embody like what it means to reconcile your mistakes and one kind act can actually change somebody. You know, obviously it's not that clear cut in real life, but I like to think that, yeah, if you if you can show people kindness, it may actually affect them in a positive way. And I like seeing that, you know, quite literally here. And now at the end of this episode, we're We see Krieg just being the scum that he is and decides to fire the MH5 poison gas bomb at everybody just to make sure if we didn't already hate him enough, we do now. Like, we just want Luffy to kick the crap out of this guy. And Luffy does manage to steal two gas masks from Krieg's henchmen, but can't find one for himself with the gas bomb incoming. Luffy doesn't have a mask and he can't dive underwater because of his devil fruit. So what's he going to do? And this is where the episode ends. I mean, that's a crazy cliffhanger to end on. And I love how most of these episodes are actually starting to end on these like crazy cliffhangers. In any case, that was episodes 25 through 27. These were some really great episodes. We got to see Sanji in action for the first time. And more importantly, we got to see another character backstory. And these are what I look forward to every time as i know that it will be an emotional roller coaster that makes you love and understand these characters even more on the next episode we're going to look at luffy taking his turn at taking down dong krieg and with how much of a dirty and underhanded prick dong krieg is i am looking forward to seeing luffy just kick his ass and i hope you guys are too Anyways, if you enjoyed this, send me a like or comment. And if you want to join me on this journey again of rewatching One Piece, please consider subscribing. Check out my Instagram and Twitter account at SunnyGoPodcast if you want updates of when I post new episodes or see some pictures of the manga. I think I've got up to volume five now. Actually, by by the time this episode comes out, it'll probably be a little bit more. But yeah. 
let me know and you can give me some comments or criticisms down in the comment section of the Instagram posts for each episode if you'd like. As always, I wanted to thank you for taking the time to listen to my podcast and I hope to see you on the next episode. Or if you're interested, you can stay tuned for the spoiler section, which today won't be too extensive. Alrighty, spoiler sections. Just a couple things. Fun fact, young Sanji is played by Ikue Otani, who would go on to become a series regular voicing our favorite reindeer physician, Tony Tony Chopper. Also, she is the famous voice of Pikachu from Pokemon, which is a bonus fun fact. Um, you'll probably notice that. I think he, I think Ikue Otani actually ends up voicing a lot of other side characters too. I can't quite pick them out, but I think anytime you need a high-pitched voice, you go to her. And yeah, it's kind of crazy that she voices two, or I guess, like, yeah, two main characters, pretty much. And also the famous voice of Pikachu. I mean, that's just insane. And then the last thing I want to talk about is, you know, after having seen Sanji's initial history... It's interesting to see how after Whole Cake Island, we got actually got another extended backstory for Sanji, which makes him the only one that has two, um, I guess you can say, backstory flashbacks. And this one explaining why Sanji was all by himself working on a boat as a cook without a family. It's actually something I wondered and many others wondered before the Whole Cake Island arc. Like, what happened to Sanji's parents? What happened to his family? And that's something I always thought about. Like, why was he just working there by himself as a, as a little kid? And we wouldn't get that answer for like another decade and a half. But once we find out, oh boy, we find out Sanji has had a way more messed up past than we could have ever imagined. With the Germa 66 and his father and his brothers. Ugh. And it also kind of explains his absurd physical strength. Other than Zeph's, you know, kick combat training, you know, with him being a scientific experiment, I, f- I feel like even though he was one of the failed experiments, like he doesn't, obviously he's not nearly as physically gifted as like Ichiji or Niji or Yonji or even Reiju. You know, I feel like he still has like crazy physical strength and that's why he can kick so hard and why he has so much more endurance than like a normal human being like say Usopp or or even Nami, or even even like Frankie for that matter. And up till this point, Sanji has always had a small aspect of his character shrouded in a veil of mystery, with a few holes in his past, and also the exclusion of the dead option in his wanted poster later on when he got his bounty. You just kind of got the sense that there's something more to Sanji that we don't know. And then we finally learn with this extended backstory in Whole Cake Island. So it was really cool to see that. And I, and I wonder if maybe some of the other characters will get any other flashbacks but i mean i really don't i guess i don't think so the only character i can really think about is zoro like there's still a lot that could be more explained with zoro and where he comes from and why he was on his own for that matter but we'll see anyways that'll be it for this episode i just want to say thank you for listening and i will catch you on the next episode see ya Thank you.